Welcome to everyone's favorite podcast, It's Reclaimed Audio, with your hosts, Phil Pinsky, Phil Roots, and Tim Sway. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Reclaimed Audio. This is episode 130 for May 2nd, 2018. Can't believe it's May already. This week's top Patreon supporters are Make, Build, Modify, Stu Morrison, The Godfather, Jimmy DeResta, <laughs> Scott Turner, Greg Mead, Chad Grossclaws, Shane Bronson, Keith Decent, Ryan Ridgely, Jeff Shaw, Infinite Craftsman, LiquidRC.com, Mike Jeffcoat, Jim Bashirs, Brad Dudenhofer, Paul Jackman, and the boys at Maybe I've Said Too Much. I think um, we should be calling them the men at Maybe I Said Too Much. You, you know, I, I... I don't know about that. The men. That sounds weird. I... I Found their I found their podcast on on and listened to it uh, the other day. They, <laughs> they had um, sir, I'm being serious. They they had nothing but nice things to to say about us. They um, you know, they did their ribbing thing and they said some very nice things about us and our podcast and us individually. And so I wanted to I wanted to return that that favor right now, but I I can't think of anything to say. Time. Yeah, <laughs> I get that. I just I like that. It's like you know. Let's see. They they they're Patreon supporters of ours now. So I finally found their podcast and decided to listen to it. And uh, yeah, it sucked. Well, you know the old expression: any publicity is good publicity. We are currently giving them any publicity. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> so you're welcome. Yeah. Well, I I will say this. Um, I'm sad that none of them will be coming to California in a few weeks for Maker Fair. What happens to all of these freeloaders uh, when you move to the Midwest? Mm. You know, see, um, see how many friends I, you have I, then. Yeah, exactly, Captain Popular. <laughs> That's basically what it's going to be. I'm pretty sure that when I say, "Hey, come on over to Utah, and um, we'll just hang out and have our own maker fair," crickets. You might as well just play crickets. <laughs> it's going to be like when you were a kid again. So, yeah. yeah. Hey guys, my mom made popsicles. You know, like. <laughs> You know, in the ice cube trays, when your mom could make homemade popsicles, but they were never any good? We were really poor, so all we have is ice cubes. On sticks. My friends, I, I put toothpicks in the ice cube tray and yeah. basically told my friends they were they were, they were were neutral flavored popsicles. Yeah. They're, uh, they're, <laughs> they're St. Croix popsicles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. What, uh, what are we working on? What are we what are we doing there? Uh, I think I think Bill just got Tim and I really excited in the break between the pre-show and the real show or let's say the main show uh with something that he showed us. So is that what you want to talk about? Uh well I I will mention that. Uh we we uh Jeff, we know you're listening, so I actually have a real prop I got for you. It's a fiberglass prop, three prong, I guess you would call it, I don't know. So when you get three here blade. Take a look at it if you want it Prom. at yours. If not, I'm going to make something out of it. But uh, what have I been working on? I, I did some work for the salon. Um, they had me take out one of the fixtures. Um, they didn't want to use it anymore. It just didn't go in this one corner. So I, I took apart what I wanted to save from that to reuse again. I did some uh, maintenance on some of the stuff. And I'm still trying to get motivated enough to get going on this uh, these other two electric guitars. So I, I got the neck designs ready to go. I, I was going to use some uh, big box wood, but I actually have a big giant chunk of oak, and I'm going to cut the necks out of that. Hmm. 
instead and go into, I think the video is basically going to be not about the entirety of the guitar, but on the neck, the process of what I, how I come up with how I do the neck out of this big block of oak. It's so a great I think idea. that'd be interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that is, that's that is the I main have. woodworking part of it, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. for me it is, it absolutely is. Cause the yeah. box is pretty much pre-made. Everything is, the box is just a, a body that attaches to the neck. Well, but, and what's cool about that sort of style is that really you could make it, the box could be anything. I mean, it could anything, be, right. you know, it could be cardboard. I mean, it could be, you know, if you, if you make that neck properly and you have that set up right and all the measurements done, you could strap that to just about anything. To prove that point, uh, CB Giddy, uh, where I, I like to tout those guys because they supply, uh, everything you need to build a guitar, whether it's cigar box or not, they have it there. It's basically like an affordable stumac. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, they have a kit that literally is, you You can make a, it's a, a kit to make a, an acoustic guitar out of a pizza box. So basically you should call and order a pizza. And then when you're done eating it, you can put this neck into the yeah. pizza box and you have a guitar. So that, that analogy is actually accurate. There's a, there's a guy, um, I think his name was, I think he called it the Bogdan Basin in a box and he was selling kits with like, it was like a piece of wood flooring and yeah. some nails and uh, a cardboard box and it was a double base, like a two string double base oh, okay, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so you would, you would put the stuff on. It was like just all hardware and stuff. And, uh, uh, sadly though, he packed all the stuff into a different box than the business years ago. I mean, I was like, I was a little disappointed when I saw that they actually packaged it into a different, it wasn't the box that got shipped in, but, but oh, that'd uh, been cool. Mileage. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, but I mean, I could, I understand why he's selling this kit for like, it was like a hundred bucks or something. I, you know, and then, uh, and then the box gets, you know, dented and dropped. (laughs) My whole base is ruined. But that's a part of the the whole, um, thing about cigar box guitars is like, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's not supposed to be perfect. In fact, especially if you're going with slide, um, there's so much, it's like recycling or upcycling to begin with, you know, that precision that you need to have with doing dovetails, uh, disappears with with what we do because we have room for error because we're trying to we're taking something that's already not perfect and we're trying to get it as perfect as we can as opposed to really getting that precision like woodworking is you know for, mm. for reclaimers and upcyclers we're we're taking something of no value giving it value to where fine woodworking you're taking very valuable wood nice quality hardwoods and beautiful don't stuff. ruin it. Yeah, and you're trying and you're trying to make it even more beautiful, you know. Yeah. So there is that amount of, the, and that's where that that time, that patience, and that skill set. The only way to make a better dovetail is to make start off making that first bad dovetail, and then mm-hmm. making many, 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 many more, mm-hmm. and then you make really nice dovetails. Yep, that's absolutely so to true. Speak. I don't know. You probably wouldn't know, Tim, but uh, I I never made a dovetail. Yeah, I know. Right. Well. <laughs> 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 what uh, what are you working on there, Chuckles? What's going on? Um, well, he Bill was for anybody that doesn't know, Bill was talking about dovetails because my last video was about uh, I did this, this the other podcast, Opposable Thumbs. I've talked about them here before, uh, and I did an episode with them, and it, it, the idea was that we were presented with a challenge, and we have to you know challenge ourselves artistically to do something, and uh, I decided to make a dovetail box. You can listen to the podcast for all the details and teach myself how to cut dovetails, and uh, it was grueling. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was i you know at, fir- at first i was striving for perfection i was like i'm gonna make the perfect like you know like the wood whisperer quality like dovetailed little wooden box nothing complicated just the, the quality level and then it just by the end i was just like i just gotta get this thing to stay together <laughs> but no i i did i did get it and uh and i 
and I got better at it. Um, and, and I get it, you know, and I'll, I'll do some more, but not this week. <laughs> <laughs> Can I uh, ask you why you switched from the dovetail saw to the Ryoba? Um, the reason I did was when I switched to, I made a new wooden block that was yeah. bigger and, um, Oh, the spine hit it. Yeah. Yeah. The spine okay. hit the top of it. And, uh, I and, and I felt like at first I felt like that saw wasn't sticking good to the tool that I had made. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that then I think actually I went and I used that saw again on the new tool and I was okay when I did like a thinner wood and I didn't have to cut quite as far, but it was like, kind of like, it was just sort of, I grabbed the other one cause it was just there and it was like, Oh, mm-hmm. this one's working good. And I was pleased with my cut. So I just kept using it, you know? Right. Yeah. Nothing personal. Yeah. It's, it's not personal at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's just business, Tim. <laughs> yeah, no, the, um, that saw, the, the one I bought from ironandsoul.com, S-O-L-E.com, um, that saw is beautiful and uh, super sharp. And what I really like about that is it does have that backing on it for mm-hmm. one of my favorite things to do with it, which is I'm sure not what it was designed for. But when I do my two-sided CNC files, um, I put dowels into the into the wasteboard of my CNC and uh, I have to leave them sticking out a little bit so I can, fl- it's for alignment and stuff. But so like that saw is like I stick, what I do is I usually just stick uh, pencils in mm-hmm. or whatever piece of dowel I have. And then I take the saw and I put that, that backer right on the wasteboard and three passes with the saw and it cuts it off perfectly level and just, just a quarter inch above the surface. It's like little things like that. It was just, if that's all I ever do with it, it was worth the money, you know, but it's, it's great. It's a tool. Use it however you want. And for starting fret slots and stuff like that, cleaning fret slots, I was using it and I was been cutting nuts. Because actually, actually what I've been working on to try to get it back onto topic here with what Bill was saying, uh, I've been working on my guitars too, among some other things. But what I'm working on is sort of like like the refinement of it. And I'm, I'm starting with the reclaim materials and I have this level of quality that I want to get these instruments to. And a lot of it is in the in the fretting and in the cutting the nuts and the getting everything just right. And and uh, and so I'm, it's like uh, it's like, you know, paddling up a river like uphill or upstream or whatever um trying to do this but i feel like i'm so it's time consuming and frustrating but i feel like i'm getting there and like i'm learning how to make it work with the materials i'm i'm working with and the tooling i have and my experience and and to really make them perfect you know not i mean not perfect look wise because there's going to be reclaimed wood and all that but they got to play i wanted to look like you know the reclaimed thing but then i wanted to play like any you know guitar off the off the shelf and Mm -hmm. I just today I finished up a couple guitars uh, of some of the, the setup process and the fretting and the filing and stuff, and I was very very happy with them. Um, so I feel I like got, I'm finally getting there. That's I, got, great. I got a compliment, one of the best compliments I've got on a video, and it was actually on the uh, Canadian Express guitar. Um, but somebody just said, "Wow, Bill, you did a crap ton of work on this thing. It's a lot of work." And it's like, yeah, actually it is, but it's a lot of fun as well. And mm. it's, but you're right. It's it's that taking that you know imperfect stuff and trying to get them passable uh and you're taking that to a whole other you know level with with the guitars you're making so right that's you know and part of me i want to like i mean like i got the water ski base right behind me you know and and i want to do a couple more of those i have some ideas i'm actually going to pitch to some companies to try and do that um because there's something really fun about that of just like throwing something together and making it play and i feel like i need to do that to sort of step back from this like this like refinement um, mm-hmm. but I got a couple guitars I'm, I'm working on now. I'm still going to finish up, but I, what I wanted to mention real quick too in here was I made a, um, it was just a quick job for a customer. I made a bow board, which is kind of like a mancala and, uh, and it was just, 
uh, you know the Mancala with the the marble or the gems and the little cups, and you move them around. Do you know what that is? No. Sounds like gambling. No, it's it's like a oh, game. I know what it is. Yeah, it's like uh, it's. Uh, There's like little marbles in a. And aggr- it's like aggravation. Something like that. Yeah, it's a, yeah. it's like an, an African game, I believe. And uh, so this I know, guy, I know what it is. he wanted to he wanted a uh, a bow board made. It's similar, but it's like large, and uh, he wanted it to look like it was like really old and stuff. And so I I was like, oh, piece of cake, I'll. Uh, I had some perfect wood and I, you know, I got the gig and I was like, yeah, I'm going to drop it in my CNC and I'll just, I'll hollow out these bowls, you know, cause they're like uh 3d carving a, a relief and it looked awesome because it was like this really old chestnut from a door that was literally in a house that was on fire that I have. And I built a little wow. feet and I cut the shape. And so it was all burnt. And then there's all these perfectly CNC bowls and dishes like carved out in this perfect grid. And I thought it was so cool. I was like, look at this. It's like that chauffeur that I love, you know, I'm like, this is awesome. And he was like looking at it. I was like, yeah, it looks great. But like, can you make the holes match the board? So then I went through with a chisel and just <laughs> scratched them all up and, <laughs> and burnt them, <laughs> burnt them with the torch, and he loved it. And I mailed it, and everybody's happy. <laughs> I was Too like, much. I was like, oh man, I was like, I could have probably saved myself an hour and a half of machining time <laughs> if I had just used a forcing or bit and a chisel in the first place. But well, you could use an angle grinder. Yeah, flat yeah, flat disc is my favorite tool. Actually, that's what I did when I went and I cleaned them up. First, I hit them with the angle grinder, and then I was like, I did a couple like that. And I was like, no, I need the hand chisel. It's got to really look handmade, you know. Right. Um, and the other thing I want to say, I'm sorry I'm taking so long, is that Vance had a craft show. It was like a homeschooling craft show he went to this weekend. Mm-hmm. And awesome. um, and I I didn't want to, like, I didn't want it to be like the the Pinewood Derby thing. You know what I mean? I was like, he just made his own crafts. He made these, like, necklaces and these, like, little trinkets out of some gems and some seashells and strings, all this nature stuff. And, and he made his own sign that said, Art by Nature, Vance Maker. and wow. and uh, Clever. And it was so awesome. Uh, and he did really well. And I, I did give him a couple, I had some wooden buttons that I had made. I gave him to put out on the table that he could sell. Cause they were like, he was actually helping me draw some of the CNC files for him and stuff. So he did help. Um, and I went to this thing and it was this room full of kids. There was, uh, like kids, he was one of the youngest ones there. And then they were a few years older and stuff. And there was, uh, like kids that did paintings and kids that took pictures and kids that made slime and, you know, and kids that this one kid, he made these like little fire starter kits, for like starting campfires and mm-hmm. this, this girl that made seed bombs, you'd like to wildflower seed bombs you'd throw on you. And, um, uh, just, it was a, the, the most amazing and awesome thing. I, I, I was just, I loved it. It was just so exciting to see all these kids all, and there's a band there. There's these, these kids that have a band and kids making sure it was so, so cool. What was and, the uh, age range? There was like, uh, the, the band was like 15 or 16 years old, those kids okay. and everybody else is younger. Um, it was just all homeschoolers. Um, nice. and th- through this homeschooling group, like th- some lady got these kids together and it was so neat because these homeschool kids are all like, kind of like Vance. They sort of, they just, they're a little bit different. They all just sort of, you know, they march to their own march drummer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was just, oh my God, it was so cool. Just walking around talking to these kids. And I met, I bought a painting off this girl's hanging up. I hung it up right in the center of my wall of inspiration, in my shop, this beautiful painting. And it's, um, she was trying to do, cause she was learning about Jackson Pollock. And so she was trying to do this and she wasn't happy with it. And so she went and she squirted a bunch of like kind of an anger almost. She like squirted a bunch of paints on this canvas and then just started banging the canvas on the table. And so it sort of ran in different directions and it got thick and lumpy in the middle of it. And I was like telling her, I was like, I was like, everybody said that, you know, Jackson Pollock, not everybody, but a lot of people said that, you know, well, I could do that. Anybody can do that. That's not art. But what Jackson Pollock was proving is it wasn't the work. It was the idea. And I said, what you just did is you just made your own Jackson Pollock idea because I don't know of any other painting painters that are banging their canvases against their workbench to create paintings. 
Right. I was like, that's, I, oh, it's just so inspiring to see all these young artists. It was like, just so cool, you know? That is great. Yeah. How much for the slime? It's like two bucks for a little, uh, <laughs> two bucks for a little, um, cup. Yeah, that's, you can sell it. That's what, that's what Phil so, gets out of there. That's yeah. a good value. How much for the slime? Yeah. 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 And it was all, it was like, it was like scented. They had a, like different, like quote flavors. Yeah. It was like scented with like, like beads and stuff in it. And yeah. Wow. That's terrific. The it was neat. Thing. Yeah. Just, it's really it gives great. me hope for the future. Okay. And then, yeah, and then there's like a cupcake table, and I like, I did, I just like walk past the cupcake table. I'm like, I'm not gonna look at those. That's not really my thing. And then I, I ended up. It was the sister of the girl that made these paintings, and I'm looking at them, and they're all like, everything was like, like this organic and vegan and like eco friendly, like all the ingredients of these cupcakes. I'm like, oh, I, I, can, I, I think I will have a cupcake. <laughs> <laughs> huh. All right, I'll yeah. take a dozen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was really, really cool. It was really cool. It was a great, it really like, it was like the first nice day of spring we finally had. And the doors are open in this old library building that is not like a banquet hall. And oh my God, it's just awesome. What, what, what a shot in the butt to get the podcast going. That's, that's mm-hmm. awesome, Tim. Thank you. So no, thanks. About? Sorry it took so long, but. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. Yes. So that's it, right? Uh, yeah. So on a very, very similar note, <laughs> I had something almost exactly the same, except I had skunks. <laughs> <laughs> It's exactly the same. It's exactly it's I mean it's almost verbatim word for word. So we wake up we wake up earlier this week <laughs> and the house smells like skunk. And we're like, it's definitely not the neighbors again because it smells a little different and and it's a few nights of this where like the whole house is permeated and just smells of a skunk. So I go outside, I take a little walk around, as it so happens, there's like a little entry burrow hole in the front underneath my front porch. It's like a concrete slab, and underneath it, they're in there. So uh, my wife calls this uh, this company called Skedaddle, which is a hu- <laughs> which is a like a humane uh, you know way to get rid of these these animals, it's like humane animal control. And they were going to charge like two grand to get rid of these skunks. And she's like, "Should I do it?" And I was like. No, <laughs> no. Are you Let kidding me? me? Back yeah. the car up, run a hose from your tailpipe. <clears throat> well, I didn't want to start flooding my house because that's like. Oh, but anyways, man. I also I didn't think of that. But uh, <laughs> it's more, more than I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of that. But I uh, you, anyway. So it just so happens that right now is the time when they're like they're going from house to house looking for a place to have their litter. Yeah. Okay. So I I was able to catch them when they were not under my house. And I watched a couple of YouTube videos about what to do and like this mesh wire fencing. You go down 12 inches and then bend out and then go out 12 inches and then bury the fencing so that they they can dig, but they'll never get under that. Anyway, so that was basically what I worked on uh, this weekend. I laid about 14 feet of trench and wire mesh and uh, and, you know, bolted it to my concrete porch. As it turns out, I really should add a hammer drill to my arsenal because... Building <laughs> concrete without one is backbreaking. Yeah, it is backbreaking. Yeah, I uh, you know, it makes it's it's weird because I deal with skunks on such a regular basis that it's it's passe to me now. You know, because at the airport, big open fields, that's yeah. we have so many of them, and sadly, um, I try not to do anything about it because if we have to call the uh, the California Department of Fish and down. Game. Yeah. yeah, they're not allowed. You know, it's against the law to relocate wild animals in California. 
Huh. So I did not really. If, if they trap them, they cannot relocate them. They have oh. to put them down. Mm-hmm. So they come out and they put traps out, and then everyone they get a lot. And then with the skunk, a skunk won't spray you if it's in a cage, an enclosure. Right. Yeah, so you throw you throw a blanket them. over it. Right. Yeah. No, you don't even have to do that. They just because they're because they, they can't, can't they can't lift their correct. Yeah. So anyway, the, the but it's sad, and they have to put them down, and, mm-hmm. and so it's like now I just like you know what you people can deal with it. So the the tower will call. They're like, you know, airport maintenance. There's a looks like there's a skunk on the runway. So I will go, actually go out in my truck and chase it away, as opposed to try and setting a trap or calling anybody mm. else to deal with it, because I don't want them to get killed. I I love skunks. They're one of my favorite animals. And and my my wife is laughing listening to this because she knows like we we would throw scraps of food out in the backyard and I wait until nighttime. I turn the lights on and I watch them. And sometimes I go outside. Are you kidding me. No, and so, sometimes I go outside and I'll sit still and like try to get them to come close to me and stuff. Um, I like playing with fire or with, with skunk juice, apparently. <laughs> so, can you film this? I love because skunks. I want to do a side by side with Jesse Leda playing with Gary, and then you trying to play with a skunk. Yeah, well, I've never I've never been as successful with the skunks. They're a little skittish. But we had we had a baby skunk one time come right up. Oh my god, so cute! Came right up on our front steps. They are and, really uh, cute. And oh, they're, they're actually, adorable. If you, if, if you get them the uh, when they take out the stink sack or yeah. whatever, they're well, yeah. supposed to be if you very get a, gentle, very domesticatable, all that good stuff. You can yeah, they make smart. good pets. Yeah, I don't want to make pets out of them though. I want to watch them live their lives freely and, and fulfilled. Oh, and I just I just want to be their friend. Your stick just makes me want to. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a stick. I just don't want them anywhere near me or my house. <laughs> okay, move into your anyway. bubble. Anyway, so what happened was I started digging the trench, and out bolts this cat that was yeah. underneath my porch. Oh, you almost buried a cat? <laughs> well, I almost needed a change of shorts. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. But by the anyway, way, that told it, me that there weren't any skunks under there, so I could continue right. trenching. That's and, good. But even yeah. if you would have, uh, if you would have trapped a cat up underneath there, that smell yeah. would have been lovely. Trying to deal with after a couple. Yeah, of weeks. after it died. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's where the flooding comes in. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> so, well, congratulations, Phil. It sounds like you had a very uh, creative, productive. Week. Yeah, I got to wear my Carolina work boots. I got nice. to be a, and a real depends. man. What? <laughs> depends. And depends. <laughs> I didn't hear. You. Oh, because I got to change. Yeah, no, I, I put on a new pair of underwear. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I got to. That was fun. That's awesome. In the rain. Uh, so. The topic, the thin green line. And we're not talking about skunks. No. <laughs> Basically, that, what this that is... That would be the it, thin white stripe, just so you know. <laughs> that would be, we'd call that the Pepe Le Pew. Uh, Anyways, so uh, so what what this is, is, is almost like kind of having to defend this contradiction of what it is that we do. Basically, we... Um, we upcycle, but the whole premise is that we're trying to keep things out of the landfill and to sort of try to curb consumerism as much as possible. But meanwhile, we make and sell items uh, that, I guess, feeds that consumeristic machine. And so this is the thin green line. This is the line, like, where do you fall on that? How do you define what's okay to make and sell versus trying to live this, like, lean lifestyle and... I, I'd I like know. to go first because I think you two honestly have a lot more value to add to this conversation. And for me, it's quite simply, I do this to feel a little bit better about myself, about what my footprint is on the planet, and to try and keep things local. And by local, I mean at, at minimum, 
in my hometown, in my state, and then in, in the United States and try and that's where I get what I do. So other than that, I mean, it's hard for me. You guys have a lot more experience of actually fighting this commercialism battle, you know? I don't, so. I don't think Phil, I don't think you are fighting a commercialism battle per se yourself. Are you Phil? I mean, is that what's your, would, what's your motivation? I would say so. You're trying, uh, you're a small business. You're trying to, you're trying to attract customers that would otherwise be shopping at Bloomingdale's or Marshall's or something. Right. Well, I guess Tim's asking, is that part of my mission statement? Oh, hmm. oh. and, and uh, no, not specifically. It's not part of my mission statement. I'm not fighting consumerism. What I'm doing is I'm offering an alternative to, you know, buying new. And instead of using the raw material that comes out of new, like new trees that have to be chopped down or new plastic that needs to be made or new aluminum that needs to be, you know, mined and or whatever, you know what I mean, refined. I'm saying this, we're using raw materials out of basically the, the garbage pile and then putting it back into a duty cycle. Hmm. So, so for me, it's making things from the raw materials that would otherwise be thrown away and then putting it back into service. And the other thing is I think we're making things in a way that is much better and stronger and going to last longer. So that even if we're making the exact same thing, what we make, I, I hope, is made better than what you would be able to buy in a store for the same price or less. And uh, and will just last much longer and ultimately keep things less. Uh, I don't know. Does that make any sense? That, yeah, I mean, you're talking about mass-produced versus handmade, so. Yeah, yeah but, but made with care, like enough care that I, I want it to last forever. Like, I made this chessboard and, like, you know, or a whole bunch of whatever it is that I'm making, right? I'm making it so that it lasts, you know? Like, I'm spending that extra time on it, making sure that the joints won't open up and that, you know, I don't know. And it's not just the fact that of the actual construction, but there's also the, the means of the the story and the the relationship that the people have with the artifact. When you When you go to a box store and you buy mm. an object, you you don't have a personal connection to it like you do when you buy something that's handmade. So even if it's like, you know, someone's going to buy six chess boards in their life, you know, at the box store and throw them away as they get yucked or whatever, they're going to they're gonna take better care of the one that they spent a little more money on and they got handmade. So in theory, they're going to consume less by consuming in this fashion. That's right? true. Yep. Well, even if you're using new cons- new material. Right, and you're using new wood, and you're making something handcrafted with care. And there's a relationship that forms between you, the client, and the object. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. People are yeah. less likely to throw away something that has a story behind it. They'll rather gift it or sell it, or you know, just sort of keep it in service. Mm. Um, I, before we forget, uh, this, this topic came out of an email that was sent to us, and all three of us checked our our inboxes and our delete files and we could not find the, the, the stupid email. Maybe we dreamt it together, but we're pretty sure it was one of you. So whoever you were, please uh, write to us and, and remind us who you you are. Cause we've forgotten. We're sorry that we're not thanking you by name. Uh, well, for we, this we are thanking you though, because we we're thanking you enough. Yeah. Cause, cause it's something that I think about all the time um, in my work, because my work is very, uh, did you ever see the fight club? The movie like, fight club? Um, yeah. You know the Brad Pitt, his business. Yes, he would go for those who haven't. He would go to the dumpster at the liposuction plant, yeah. <laughs> factory, or whatever you want to call it, doctor's office, and he'd he'd pull the fat out of the the dumpster, and he would make soap out of it and sell it back to the rich people that yeah. that Our get rid of the their fat. Yeah. And that's that's my business. <laughs> <laughs> You're selling them their own. 
Fat butts uh, back to the moon. Uh, um, yeah, that, that's kind of that's kind of how I I see myself. I mean, not in that disgusting way, but but that's that's what like I'm trying to do in, with my mission statement. And the way I started was like that whole making worthless things priceless. Is is well, did is, you guys hear that? What's that? That's the sound of a bunch of your clients that are canceling their orders right now. Yeah, yeah, all the ones that listen to the podcast. I literally just got an order right now <gasps> as we're speaking. Oh yeah, it's one of my one of my customers bailing on me. <laughs> no, it is a rolling tray. I don't think it's one of your customers. <laughs> um, but but like that's I kind of think about it like that. That's the the cycle, like you know, of uh, a lot of my customers, and that's not necessarily what I want to do. But if if I have a customer that's going to buy a high quality, you know, piece of furniture off of me that's made out of stuff that, you know, not literally they threw away, but you know, their their social class threw away or whatever it came from that I'm I'm putting back into service. Um, the inside the punk rocker in me is thinking like, yeah, I just sold them their own fat, right? It's like <laughs> it's like there's that that's but the but in reality, what I'm doing is is I'm keeping it like you said, Phil. I'm keeping it from going to the to the waste stream and and I and I think it's one of the things that slows me down in business a lot because I don't want to make things that aren't um uh that permanent and that important. Lately, I've been messing around with like I make my little wood buttons and the Star Trek badges and. And some of these like smaller items for my Etsy shop and some little signs and, and everything. But I would never really do that before. I only wanted to make things that were going to last a lifetime and get handed down to kids um, mm-hmm. because I, I'm very conscious of that. Like I don't want to just make tchotchke, you know. But, yeah, uh, that's, that's but that hurts my business about. in a lot of ways because I don't have like this inventory of, of tchotchke to sell to keep the doors open. So I'm trying to be a little bit better about that. I'm like, well, you know, if there's small things, if I'm not using a whole pallet or a whole coffee table to make this thing or this whole bed frame, and I can make these smaller items that I can turn and sell and keep the business going, it's still better than it going to the landfill, even if it just goes to the landfill in five years. I just don't want the stuff I make to just get delayed from the landfill. Yeah, you don't want to be a holding or a staging area. Right. I don't personally don't want to be a staging area, and I don't want my customers to just be like every three years buying a new one of what I made. Like you you got to think about this. Though. I mean, the difference between buying a, a, a dollar store chess set or a checker set, right, which is literally a piece of cardboard folded in half with a, with a printed piece of paper on it and little plastic pieces that will last all of a few months, if that, if it's laid with, right? Mm. So there's, there's such a ginormous gap between that and you making Star Trek badges. I mean – you can't you can't even really say that and and like you said keeping your doors open what good are you doing anybody if you have to go get a job at McDonald's to support your family you're not helping <laughs> anybody so. I like how that's those are the two options either you make inventory yeah. tim or you work at or McDonald's you start you're slinging burgers McDonald's. <laughs> and that's not even real meat that's that's awful chemicals that are congealing is all <sighs> yeah just stop Don't ruin McDonald's for me Oh yeah, you never you go to McDonald's again. <laughs> Every once in a while, I get a hankering for you know a double Big Mac. If you're gonna just like least, Tim, if we're the same. Go, if you're gonna go to one of the worst places <laughs> on the planet, go to Wendy's. Wendy's at least have square burgers; they're not round. I had Wendy's today, but uh, do you guys have Five Guys in the states? Yeah. 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 Okay, that's my favorite. They're good. I, don't I love Five Guys. They're good. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to say stuff about commercialism. Nah, you ruined my train of thought with your hamburger talk. (laughs) Well, I mean, at the end of the, oh, oh, I was going to say, sorry. I was going to say that like, I've wrestled with this, with this problem of, of inventory, right? So like that whenever I have a lull or a downtime that I could be making stuff and turning my time into money. I don't think that's the right approach because what keeps my value high 
is always the inbound side of it, that consumers are coming to me and asking me to make them something is what maintains the, I don't want to use the word artificial, but let's say the artificial value of my products. If I have stuff for sale, then people already know, oh, this is a cash and carry item. You know, I can start talking about price. That's a really good point. Um, I I think I've kind of, you know, I've strayed away from my Etsy for a long time. And I what I do is, because I, I work the same way. It's like, if I make a table, it's worth, you know, X amount of dollars. If someone asks me to make a table, it's worth more. And, yeah. it's, and it's not just because they asked me to make the table, but there's this, there's a, there's a, a level of uh, customer services involved now. And there's, that's where the value is. It's, it's not like, like I'm charging size. Yeah. It's not like I'm charging more just because they're, they asked me, you know, but, well, you're, but also, you're also presented with the time limit too. I mean, yeah, there's, that, there's some, that costs money when you make something, Hey, when I'm done with it, I'll sell it. That's worth X. But if somebody says, I want this, you can't say, okay, give me six months or so. And I want to be paid in advance. Yeah. No, but yeah. there's also the mental component of sort of of the oh, consumer's mindset. I'm, co- I'm, I'm asking you to make this. You, right? Yeah. It, well, I, I'm if I'm asking you Tim to make me a table, I'm never going to come to you and be like, "Can you make me a table for a hundred bucks?" But if you already had it, I would feel very different. I'd be and like, "Say like, huh. will you sell it for a hundred? Yeah, exactly. exactly. And that's and that's why I stopped making furniture. And I still had, I might have a couple things listed on Etsy, but that's why I stopped making that stuff because I found that it was instantly had no value or less value, I should yep. say. And um, but what I do want to do is I want to fill my store up with things like you do, Phil, with like the the uh, you know the the boxes and maybe not the boxes, but like the trays, like the simple things that I can knock out in a couple hours, especially CNC files. I can because yeah, uh-huh. you don't work hardly you know, at all, Phil. Yeah. Um. Well, no, uh, you do. You work. You, I'm saying not not like Phil. Like you guys those boxes. can't see it, but I'm crying. <laughs> I'm, saying, I'm saying not like the boxes that he does because that's too time consuming, or the step stools. Oh, those are crazy. They're like eight hours a yeah, piece. Not that, but like the but like your tray. What is that? Like two hours and an hour to, you know, an hour to. The trays are half an hour of cut time and another five minutes of sanding and lacquer. I was saying two hours because I thought you might have to glue two boards together first. If it wasn't wide well, enough. So far, so far, I've been cutting them out of a desktop. Oh, there I have you go. this reclaimed pecan. Yeah. It was an old desk, and yeah. I've just is been that, cutting strips. Is that what we decided it was now? Is, is yeah, it's pecan. As so it how, many different nice. pieces, how many different species has this been? It was every species at some point. <laughs> it's been three so far. It's been white <laughs> it oak, it's been ash, oak, and now ash, it's pecan. Now it's pecan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I described the Can table off the... apple? I would just like to know that something out there is made of apple. Apple wood. I have I've made stuff out of Vance Vance Maker episode one. He made a, a pencil holder out of an apple tree branch. I do remember that actually. Yeah. What does I it smell? Does it smell like apples when you cut into it? No, but it smells beautiful. It's like it, and it burns oh, real easy. He was he was drilling with the he was drilling with a forcer bit into end grain. It was just burning and oh so cool. Uh, Such a great smell. You know that fresh cut lawn smell? And it's not that that's what it smells like, but it's like there's just something about the smell of fresh cut lawn that just reminds you of nature. And that's kind of what burning apple wood smells like. It's just to remind you of camping almost, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's awesome. It's a nature. It is nice. I have, a, I have a couple old apple trees in my yard, and, and the, they produce crab apples. Every once in a while, you get some really delicious apples off them, and then most of the time it's just like – and so I have to cut branches off every once in a while, and I always save it. You know, yeah. Try to make I love crab apples for yeah. whipping at neighborhood children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 They love that. <laughs> now I oh, forgot. Look, it's Mr. Pinsky. Neener, neener, neener. No. Yeah, I forgot what I was going to say. Now I had a train of thought before you lost and got your train of thought back. Oh, man, we're doing what a terrible at this. Wreck, we'll wait. This we'll wait. Been. Oh, yeah, we'll wait. wait. Okay, just we'll wait. Go ahead. 
exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, in the meantime, so so far, don't worry. Got, Bill never runs out of things to say. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I'm actually I'm just passing the buck and giving Tim some time right now. But so far, what we've got to break it down because the the thing is, how do we battle? How do we battle this? Uh, the, the commercialism that we're trying to be a part of, but we're not trying to be a part All of. All right, stop talking. I remember what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so Thanks, I, vamping. I, I've got Shop Local, and Phil has uh, giving something rebirth that will last longer. So that's how we do it simply. Now that Tim remembers what he's going to say, there's another good 20, 30 minutes. Go. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. No, I just, uh, you know, uh, what we have to realize is every living thing on the planet leaves a footprint, right? Um, <laughs> I told you. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Hey, here we go. That's no, but, but yeah, but seriously, they, we forget that, or I forget that, because I'm always like, you're trying to reduce your footprint. It's like we're all going to use stuff. We're all going to use stuff. It's just that how do you want to do that? You know, how big of a footprint do you want to leave? And and that's the that's the whole balance. Like, yes, cons- you know, consumerism is a problem, um, and you know, us making stuff in our garages isn't necessarily the solution, but it is a step towards the solution. And that's how I justify it is that it's better than the alternative. And the other thing that we always forget about is like with that dollar fifty chessboard that was made out of cardboard and paper yeah. is that the, it's not just the materials it's made out of, it's the footprint from how it got there from where it was made and the, yeah. the, the trains, planes and automobiles and the retail stores and the lights and Absolutely. the, and the yeah. heat and the, you know, so all that stuff. And like, as I'm going into this guitar stuff, I'm thinking about like, well, do I want to attempt putting guitars in stores? And I'm running into the same problem I do with retail model in general. It's like, well, now you've got this this other footprint that's going to increase the cost of the item. Um, and someone's going to, you know, I mean, it's good to help other businesses succeed, but like it's, I can't, I don't want to compete with myself. If I have stuff in a store, then I have to sell it for the same price on my website, but I could sell it for less on my website. So now I'm going to make fewer sales. You know what I mean? There's like that whole. Well, there's a balance too of, of overthinking. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I mean seriously I know, you know? <laughs> you know what the solution is right it's um, you basically sell exclusive models on your website versus what you sell to retail that that's way exactly they can't cross shop. well that's exactly what I came up with is if, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna have a retail line and I'm gonna have a custom line that, that would be the end goal would be that exactly. the, the, the lines that I'm developing would be in retail and then my shop would be custom shop only like right. you know yeah. special order That that's if I get that point but first I need to get the things out there I need to get a couple into some people's hands and Mm-hmm. And get them, get them known, you know, right. So, we'll see. I am thinking of uh, just uh, being a part of this whole commercialism thing myself. Um, what do you guys? How do you guys feel about making your signature on something where it's visible? Like you're putting, you're putting your name on the guitar, right? Your maker's mark. Is that? I guess. I guess so because there's a difference between building somebody a coffee table and having loot spray painted across the top of it. But if I build a guitar. I can have my name on it to where you can see it. I yeah. think I'm, I'm, I, is, am I in the right lines here? Cause yeah, man, sh- it's Fender. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they, they put their name visible, you know, and I, you know, I always tape over the, not always, but I tape over the logos and my tools. I started doing that long before I was making stuff on my guitars because I would deal with, with, uh, instrument manufacturers. I had a couple endorsement deals over the years. And, um, so if I paid full price for something, I covered over their name. I had my, my 76 Fender base my prized possession. And I piece of tape over their logo because I paid for that thing. (laughs) But, um, so like, and I, that's one of the many little minutia details I've been working with, with my guitars. Like, do I want to put, I had like this, this thing that said my name in it with the name of a company name and my name. And then I I stripped it down to just say just the company name. And now I stripped it down to just the initials of the, uh, just NPM new perspectives. Music is what it's at Matt now with it. I'm, I'm, you know, because obviously I want to promote myself, but I, I can't stand how, 
like wearing Hilfiger is a thing. Like, and I don't want to be part of that. See, I don't have know? a problem with that. If somebody wants to wear Lutz, I'm good with that. That's that's good. I like it. Yeah. I'm like, is, I'm like I'm like but, the West Coast hill figure. But but if someone someone buys the 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 loot shirt because they want to support their buddy Bill, the, the, there's a certain point though when it's like your whole shtick is about your logo. You know, I don't know. Like it just kind of no, bugs we've me. We talked about we talked about this where you two yeah. have morals and principles, and I am going to be the biggest sellout in any way I possibly can. Hmm. Okay. okay, interesting point. Interesting yeah. point. Um, I, I mean, if you're going to talk about branding, I mean, it, it comes down to. Um, being able to differentiate amongst commodity goods. And that's ultimately what it is. Like, mm. everybody is making shirts. Everybody is making pants. You know, they're all the same. How do you make one better than the other? You make the brand worth more. Mm-hmm. And and so that's ultimately what the solution has been to this so many competitors. Yeah, so you start There's, writing pink across your butt, and then it's, you, now you've made that, your branding part of your, your look, and then it becomes a thing, and now everybody has bingo. to have, you know, if you have if you have blue written across your butt, it isn't going to work, you know, you have to buy that brand to be one well, of the cool it's kids. it's a cop-out, it's a cop-out yeah. towards innovation, right? It is, so, but it, if that's you are exactly doing something, what it is. Yeah. If you're doing something different, Tim, if you've got a real story, if you've got a something right behind you, you're not just some commodity guitar maker, then you don't need to have your brand splashed across as the only piece of value that you're, that you're adding to the market. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's actually adding to the value. It's not the only value. But you also want people to know like, Hey, like who made that guitar? You want, you want your maker's mark, but you don't want it to be like the thing that is selling your guitar. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's not like a big picture of me with strings coming out of its nose. (laughs) Because oh, that, that would, be would cool. sell like crazy. I actually made one of those, <laughs> so, but that's before I knew you really well. Uh, so. Yeah, that's in the private collection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it, it is It is a thing. Uh, and it's, it's been interesting to hear us. We're all coming at it from a different place. Apparently, Bill is just ready to sell his soul to whoever. And, I think uh, he already has. Yeah, Phil, Phil's have, just. Well, I've sold it to you two, basically. So. <laughs> I yeah. kept the gift receipt. You can. <laughs> I, I burned all evidence of the transaction. <laughs> Bill Lutz, never heard of him. Good stuff. Oh, that's good stuff. So moving forward, how do we, as as our branding and our names and our or, you know our podcast or whatever, as we continue to grow, how do we move forward and not lose sight of our roots? Like you know, I'm I'm crossing the territory with doing sponsored videos on my YouTube channel, which is something that I kind of thought I would never do because I didn't want to. But now I'm I'm developing positive relationships like Carolina, you know, hashtag Sway Carolina. <laughs> you know, I you know, developing these positive relationships with these companies where I can maybe make a change and make uh good. Uh how do we who wh- is there a is there like a warning sign on the side of the road when we've we've strayed too far and we've gotten too commercial? Well, how do we know? I, I, I don't think there is. I think it's character. I think um I think there's people out there that are just corporate minded and that's what they're going to do. And, and I, whatever. I mean, I don't think it's very good for anybody in some respects, uh, but it's not ever who I'm going to be. I, I, mean, I tease about it, but I'm not going to do that. I'm always going to be just me doing my thing. And, and if people want to help support me doing my thing, that is amazing and wonderful. I'm never going to feel not completely blown away and grateful for that. And I don't see that with you two either. You guys are not going to be, like I said, I tease and say sell out, but that's not what we're doing. What we're doing is we're trying to make a difference. We're trying to make a way. We're trying to share a life and experience of what we're making and also actually make a life and a living. So there's, there's just <laughs> well that difference. Mm. I can't see how 
there's no warning sign because if you're if somebody's going to come up to you with a with a five million dollar contract to screw that Tim, I want you to from now on I want you to kill baby seals for a living. You're not going to do it. You know, it's you're not. not well, slow so. down. Yeah. Slow down. First, let's see the offer. Yeah. First, and, <laughs> and as long as there's no skunks involved, I'm probably okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> baby seals screw them, but skunks no. Uh, we got to save the planet yeah. and the smell. <laughs> no, that's it. That, that's that's a, 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 I, I mean, I think that's happened to me where I, I have had people contact me where I've been like, no, nah, I don't think I want to do that. Sure. Yeah. I guess, uh, Phil, I'm sure we all have, you know, where it's mm. just like, eh, that's not for me. And but, I guess that's su- the sign. Your success level, I think, you know, as long as you continue doing that, when you can still, in a way, pick and choose, your success level, can, I mean, I, my example always will be Jimmy DeResta. Jimmy, after decades of hard work, is seeing some success you know he's, he's he's admitted as much but he still is at a point where whether he was making one table for somebody trying to make what he could out of that he might turn down one deal because it wasn't worth it to him well now it's he's still able to do that but now he's just developed his name his brand his who he is is much bigger than just the name Duresta, even though that's world renowned so he still and he's there's a guy like Hillfinger. He's got his name all over everything, and people pay for it. <laughs> right, but you still know that Jimmy's. He's just he's still got his morals and his principles. And oh, he's not. Yeah. You know what I mean? His yeah. success success does not mean you're a sellout. Success means that your hard work is paying off. Oh, I agree. I don't think any of us yeah. were saying that. Yeah. No. Let's get back to the original question because I think the answer is is education. Right. If we Ooh, like we, we remain educated on on what it is that we're trying to do here, right? What, what we're ultimately trying to do is reduce things that go to the landfill. Mm. So if we're using garbage as our, as our natural resource to make the things we're making, I think that's a positive impact. And education comes into place with the consumers too. So when we put our ads out on Etsy, when we put our ads out on custom-made, when we put our ads out on Facebook, as long as there's some component of education as to why what we're selling is better than anything else that they're going to buy, then, then we're, putting positive back into the world. And that's sort of like my, mm. that, here, here. that's my philosophy. That's great. And I think we need to keep pushing that reclaim doesn't mean rustic. Like we need to keep oh, on thank that, God, please. And know? it doesn't mean mid-century modern either. If I see yeah. the words mid-century modern one more time, I'm going to gouge my eyes out. Oh, Settle. you're going to hate my video re- <laughs> suggestion this week. <laughs> oh my God, no. guys, like we got to branch out. No, actually we don't. We no, it's a great diversify. style. I love it. We got to diversify, yeah. which means that all of that stuff is necessary to keep our community diverse. So Pinsky, that means the opposite of what you're trying to say. No, it doesn't. I don't want you doing any mid-century modern. I don't want you doing any rustic. Okay, just don't do it. I I don't know where to go from here because he's not making any sense. No, that didn't make any sense. You're right. I think we just move on with that. My That's point just... being is, let's wrap wrap this up. Can I can I do this? Because I kept a little bit of notes. So the the original question was, how do we deal with the conundrum of commercialism? Right. Consumerism. Consumerism. Yeah. Right. So what we have is uh, one of the ways that I deal with it. My thing is like I want to shop local. I, I want to be part of a local mm-hmm. small thing. Phil is again giving something a new life, longer lasting life, better life. Tim. Easy, reducing his footprint. And all of this can be achieved by the education that goes into doing all of this. Wow. Good recap. That was Good great. Recap. Yeah. And, you know, like, and I, I, I always say this when I started my business that that mantra was it was to make worthless things priceless. And that's, I, I still, all these years in, I'm like eight years in now. And that's still like the goal is you take something that has no value and you give it value. Maybe yeah. priceless is a high mark, benchmark to reach for. But if the, if the relationship with the object is, is important to the consumer, then it becomes 
closer a to dollar fifty more than it normally would have been. Yeah, or, or, over or anything in the store. It could be accurate if you just don't give it a price. I could, yeah, well, I could do that too. How much is that? Oh uh, no, you you can't afford. You can't that. afford this. This yeah. is. <laughs> Get back to your hovel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, right, that was that was pretty good. Hey, that was not our most awful episode ever. So let's go. It's like our to... third most awful, I think. But third, yes. <laughs> we're aiming. We're aiming medium here, guys. Oh yeah, middle of the road. What are we watching? Let's go. Let's start with Tim. What are you watching? Uh, I wanted to mention. I I think I've plugged his channel before. Graz, my buddy Graziano. I think you uh, have. Graz, Graz makes. Yeah. Did you see that his latest video? He uh made a he made a knife like out of metal. You know, oh, out of the iMac. Uh... Yeah, and then he melted down like the aluminum housing of a Mac computer mm. and uh, and made the the scales or the handle yeah. out of that, which I thought was pretty pretty funny. Um, I think I would have liked to have seen it done to where he could have preserved the Mac logo. So like it, it was like still in there, but I guess the stuff probably wasn't thick enough or whatever. So you had to melt it down. But, um, but I thought that was a, a really fun idea of taking that beautiful, you know, Macintosh case like that, uh, like those this sleek and sexy computer and, and just melting it. <laughs> I just love it. I thought it was brilliant. So no, good job, grass. <laughs> yeah, it was very cool. Yeah. Who's next? Billy Lutz. I am. So <clears throat> I am, first of all, humbled and blown away. There's a couple of people out there that have uh, reached out to me and say, hey, man, the cigar box guitar thing is so neat. I want to do that, too. And these are coming from makers that are so far beyond anything I could ever hope to be skill-wise. One of them is Trevor Carter. Uh, Trevor's Woodchop. He's a fellow uh, Northlander like Phil. Mm. And I love Trevor. First (laughs) of all, he's another one of those guys that – Talented. Yeah, he knows so much about so many things, you know, where I like to say I know a little bit about a lot. He knows a lot about a lot. And yeah. uh, he did a cigar box guitar that he's been building on his CNC because he's like, man, cigar boxes are hard to come by in Canada or at least where I'm at, blah, 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 blah. So he said, I'll, I'll do it on the CNC. So it's his first one. And I hope he's – I'm not sure if he's videoing it, but um, – even if he doesn't, check out Trevor's channel because he he makes jigs and he does scroll saw work that's beyond beyond. In Tarja, the guy can weld. He could just he built a a, a kid's like Harley out of wood. Um, rocking. He's been doing those so, a long time. Yeah, yeah, I mean the guy is just so far beyond. And the reason why I even picked him is because I love him first of all. I love Trevor. And also, he just broke 5,000 subs. And so I want to say congratulations, right. Trevor. Um, Well-deserved, and it's just going to keep going on because he's one of those makers that just knows how to make. So yeah. that's who we're yeah. watching. Talented built, dude. Hard work. He also built, um, he built a Gatton CNC. Yeah, well, that's what he made the guitar out of. It was on his CNC. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he Dave actually, a couple of times. As, yeah. as a funny thing, is Dave is the other one who reached out, hey, Lutz. You got me bugged up now, man. I'm going to start making these guitars. And so he's doing the same thing. He's actually, he's trying to build like 30 of them to take to a craft show, like a blues festival or something. I know the guy's just insane, but I love Dave and I love Trevor. Uh, And these are uh, smarter guys than me in the CNC world and everything. But to have somebody say, Hey man, you, you inspired me to do this thing. I, I feel really weird about that because I normally inspire people to, you know, like run away or to plug their nose, something, (laughs) but but to inspire somebody, that's what an amazing thing. So that is a tremendous thing. Yeah, I, Timothy, what are you? Well, you already watching? you already asked me. Do I do I you? Yeah, but I just wanted. To, 
But I just wanted Yo, to say real what quick. What are you listening to right now? Because uh, apparently it's not us. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to just interrupt. Um, I had a, a, an email from a, a nice young man named Theo, and he's making. He was inspired by me to start making his own guitar, and he showed me to cut the body out and stuff. And I tell you what, that is like. Bill, I agree. That is the coolest, coolest feeling. Like when someone's like, you know what? I liked what you're doing so much that I wanted to try it myself, and that's yeah. really like I guess why I. I still make these videos every week after five years. I think it's been now. Um, it's, a, wow. it's a big uh, part of yeah. the sharing. That is the sharing part of it. That is, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, part of, we all have reasons why we want to make content and try and get the side hustle going. We've had so many podcasts about that, but a big part mm-hmm. of it is just that community being a part of something and sharing. So Phil, Phil, I've been, I've been, I know it's five years cause I've been putting together my sway back when shop tour where I'm trying to take old shop tours oh. and put them together. Yes. It's hard. I don't know how good it's going to come out. It's kind of, cause they're each like 18 minutes long and you want to try and get some audio from it and then voice. Over. So we'll see. I'm working on it. Okay, cool. Sorry to be a pain in the butt. I think it no, it's a good cool. idea. I think it's kind of fun. It was you fun. You could to... do a non-talking one because we hear you talk a lot every. I know. Day, I'm, so. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it too. I I would never be tired of that beautiful baritone. So don't listen to Lutz. Why? Thank you, Phil. It's a, <laughs> it's a pleasure to produce this audio content with you on a weekly basis. Likewise, my friend. Likewise. So, uh, <laughs> oh, old man Lutz fell asleep at the wheel again. <laughs> What am I watching, you guys never ask? I'm watching Prickly Sauce. Hey, whoa, this is a kid-friendly uh, thing here. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a channel, 2,400 subs. Uh, he's got, like, like a lot of videos. A lot of videos, and they're all really, really good. Um, well, they seem to actually get better closer to the more recent. But either way, uh, just he does he does the, some of the stuff that we do with, like, the reclaiming and the upcycling and... Not really to cool make barbecue stuff. sauce, I hope. What? No, I'm just trying to think what you would upcycle to make barbecue sauce. Never you mind. Okay. It's wood. He, may, he uses wood and oh, metal okay. stuff. He makes barbecue sauce good. out of wood? Yes. It's it's mostly cellulose, but it's got a good kick to it. And he makes soap when he's done with that. <laughs> That's right. And sells it back to you. Yeah. <laughs> Punk rock, man. Woo! Did you ever watch the movie Salt? Salt Lake Punk, SLC. Salt Lake City Punk, or uh, yeah, you know, with uh, Matthew Lillard. Sounds vaguely familiar. It's from the late '90s. It was like yeah. the Empire Records God, era. Not in sync on a movie for once. This well, that, one is a pretty. Is like, it's like one. an indie film. Yeah, it was like yeah. an indie film. I can't remember yeah. if I saw it or not. I mean, that was then. It's possible I would have seen that in the '90s, but Anyways, that was a long was, time ago. It, when, when you keep saying punk, I keep going back to that movie. Um, okay, I think we're, what are we doing here? Oh yeah, our channels, woo! On Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, I'm Phil Pinsky. Check out ironandsoul.com, williamlutz.com. Uh, thank you to Justin Sparks for that. We're going to have a little convo with him shortly. timsway.net, thank you to Jason Payne. newperspectivesmusic.com, thanks to no one for that. Two two new guitars I should have listed this week. Almost Ooh. done. Yeah, so I'm excited hey about that. Some Swaycasters. Yeah. You calling that? No, no you probably should. Absolutely probably not. Should. Probably no. should. Contact us for Timbers. show topics. Instead of Fender, Timber. I'm not going to call him that either. Oh. Or Timson. Not doing that. <clears throat> not, or Gibsway. Nope. <laughs> 
or to <laughs> okay all right shut your faces contact us for show topics suggestions feedback all that good stuff we love hearing from you info at reclaimedaudiopodcast.com or hit us up on twitter at reclaimed audio on itunes leave us them reviews we really you know we need our egos stroked a little bit uh uh-huh. so only leave five star reviews it's super important to do that otherwise it's no good it's, it's uh, been a while i i, I... What's up? We got one this week. Or last week, I mean. You're not sharing them with us anymore. Yeah, you used to share them with us. Oh, because Bill said that you look them up yourself all the time anyway. Who did that? You said that. You said that. I would never have said that. And if I did, I'd deny it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's certainly a very compelling argument. It is is plausible uh, deniability because he probably doesn't remember. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) He doesn't know what he doesn't know. Patreon.com slash reclaimed audio. The best way to help support... Um, Bill's dying memory and <laughs> I have a link on our website reclaimedaudiopodcast.com to our Amazon affiliates link if you're going to buy stuff on Amazon why not kick us 1.8% you know what I'm saying so on that on that uh, note thank you very much and have a, a great week guys bye everybody be good or, or not